Welcome back, everyone. Uh, thank you for uh, everything that you do to fight to keep Texas red. Uh, we're talking to Rachel Malone today, Gun Owners of America. Welcome, Rachel, to the show. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, thank you so much, Christian. It's great to be here and speaking with you again. Yes, and uh, I first met you, I think, uh, going on a trip with Walter West. He, he was the SD4 SREC chair at the time, and he was doing a lot of work with our um, border uh, areas in, in, in launching Republican parties there, and we got to do a border trip together and, and, and be down there on the border, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that is where we met. That was, that, was a, that was a great trip. It was very enjoyable. I learned so much um, about that region and about, about their thirst. Uh, for conservative values in, in so many ways and, and for seeing those um, brought to life in their political leadership. Right, right. And the Democrats, the left, of course, they want to abolish ICE. They want to take away uh, our gun rights and they want to defund the police. I don't like America that they're proposing and we've got to do everything that we can to, to defend her. And, and that's what you do each and every day. Um, so tell us a little bit before we go into the issues, tell us a little bit about your story. I think it's so intriguing uh, for a lot of young women who could be inspired and would love to hear about it. So please tell us. Absolutely. So, you know, some people dream of being in politics, whether elected officials or in political activism. That wasn't me. I'll just be honest. That's the last thing I wanted. Uh, my family was somewhat politically involved growing up in you know, pro-life activism, other, other conservative activism. And I agreed with the issues. I just didn't think political life was for me or political activism. I figured there were enough people to, to do the right thing that I didn't need to worry about it. So I was a classical musician. I was very happy doing music, not doing politics, not getting the public eye at all. And I also wasn't into guns. I, I wasn't, I don't think you could say I was anti-gun, but I was definitely scared of guns. I believed in the concept of the Second Amendment, but I didn't understand liberty and I didn't understand the application of the Second Amendment. Then I certainly didn't understand guns. And all that changed just a little over 10 years ago uh, when my, my brother decided that he wanted to start carrying a handgun and I was terrified uh, mm. because I, I just really thought he was gonna lose his life because we all know that guns randomly go off and you don't want that to be on you when that happens. Right. So he challenged me to, to show him some statistics on that and I was shocked to discover that he was actually right. Statistically, we are so much safer when we carry a handgun for self-protection, when we're able to defend ourselves. And I also discovered that you know a gun doesn't randomly go off. It's a mechanical device. It's controlled, it's controllable. You carry it in a holster. Um, that's a very safe way of carrying a handgun. It keeps it from going off. It keeps the trigger from being pulled. Um, and I discovered that I don't need to be, you know, have, have extraordinary ninja training in order to be well qualified to defend myself and protect my life. And I realized that instead of just being afraid of the unknown and not wanting to face it, I needed to acknowledge that there is danger around us. There are evil people who want to do us harm, you know, hopefully a lot more good people than bad, but the evil still exists. And the best way to be able to protect myself from that is uh, take advantage of my right to keep them their arms. So that's how I kind of came into gun ownership and gun carrying, and then it naturally led into gun rights activism because I was I, I became very concerned and a and, uh, little little angry over the fact that uh, my legislature was penalizing carry of firearms, either without a license or when I started carrying, it was still against the law. It was a criminal offense, a jailable offense, 
to carry a handgun openly. You had to have your shirt over it, or you could never go into jail. And so there were just there were so many things wrong with Texas law. And you know, I, I looked around and I waited for all those other people whose job I thought it was to fix it, and they weren't fixing it. And I realized that I didn't have a right to complain if I wasn't doing what I could. And I was positioned in a place where I could do activism. And, and that's really what got me into it. And at the beginning, I just, I thought I was going to get into it for maybe a couple of years and fix things and get out. And I think you know how it goes. Uh, things don't just get fixed in a couple of years. There's always more to do. But I've been honored to find a team to work with uh, through other activists and through Gun Owners of America. And so it's, it's my honor to be able to continue advocating for our gun rights. You're right. Politics has a way of sucking you in. There were times that I thought, well, I'd, I'd get out now and maybe go do something else, like uh, maybe very noble, go be a pastor. And I just keep getting sucked back in. And, and I know that uh, for me and as well for you, you know, politics is a calling and it's something that um, what keeps you up at night is really the way that I like to pose it. What keeps you up at night and uh, freedom and liberty are, are issues that we need to preserve and fight for. And that's what keeps me up at night. And so then therefore, I think that you and I are probably both called uh, to the arena of politics and you're working in a very specific area. Um, it, it's so important. And you're one of the most outspoken people and, and widely recognized, I think, with the Republican and the conservative grassroots, uh, the activist, I know that you worked for the Republican Party and people know you and you're outspoken and you and you get your message out. And so there's a lot of people that uh, follow you on social media. And I know that you have an important group. Uh, we'll go into that in a second. I'd like to ask you how people can stay connected to you and what you are doing. Um, but you have a way of getting a message out. So what can you tell us about how to communicate uh, that message uh, so that others can maybe learn from it. Sure thing. So uh, part of the, the mission and the passion of Gun Owners of America is harnessing the power of the grassroots. Mm -hmm. So all of our members are the energy that, that makes this fight for gun rights happen. We count on them showing up. And so we want to do everything we can to communicate with them, to let them know when they need to contact legislators, when they need to show up to a hearing or a meet and greet or other, other types of events and how they can be involved. We want to amplify their voice. Um, and, and connecting our con the constituents, the legislators is a huge part of what we do. So there are a number of ways uh, that the grassroots can, can stay involved and find out what's happening, hopefully with the least amount of trouble on their part. Uh, definitely you'll wanna be a part of our email list. So you can go to gunowners.org slash Texas, um, gunowners.org slash Texas, you can choose to join as a member, uh, which is fabulous. And you also get to be on our member list. It's just $25 a year for the basic membership. And then you have various levels from there on up. And that helps us so much continue the fight. Um, also, the, our main national webpage is genowners.org, which has much more information about what we're doing on a national level. Um, you, can, you can join our, our alerts from there, our free email alerts. And then we're on social media as well. So on Facebook, if you're already on Facebook, go to uh, just search for GOA Texas, that's GOA Texas, and we have a Facebook group. And I'll point out the Facebook group is very specific. Uh, there are a lot of great Facebook groups for if you're interested in posting gun memes or gun jokes or um, gun facts uh, or, or sales on gun parts, all that's great. But the specific purpose of the GOA Texas Facebook group is two-way activism here in Texas. 
So we focus on what can you do as a volunteer uh, to show up and be involved? Where do we need you to show up and be involved? Um, and so that's that's a great place for it, for that uh, type of information. If you're on Instagram, uh, please find the GOA Texas Instagram. And then if you're on Twitter, you can look up either myself or my coworker, Felicia Bull. Uh, Felicia tweets a lot more often than I do, and she's a lot more interesting on Twitter. So I definitely recommend following her. But in short, find us on email or on social media. And we also travel around Texas and would love to meet with you all in person to the extent that we're able to have in-person events these days. Yes. And what is your Facebook uh, URL? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so, so um, my personal Facebook is, is rachel.malone.tx. Um, but the GOA Texas group, you can just find it most easily by searching uh, GOA Texas. It'll come up as a group. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. So what would you tell people that feel like Texas is the most conservative place? Because when you think of Texas, you think of gun rights. You think that everything is great in Texas. Uh, that's what my assumption would be, but uh, I've heard other things, so you'd probably beg to differ. I absolutely would. Texas does not deserve its pro-gun reputation. Um, absolutely. I, I figured Texas had to be the most pro-gun state until I went and looked at the facts. Texas was the 45th state to let honest, uh, peaceful citizens carry their handguns uh, openly, even after they had a license. So uh, in, 20, in 2013, 2012, 2013, when I began activism, there were 40-something other states that said, hey, if you, if you are an honest, law-abiding citizen, um, some of them said, if you, if you have your license to carry, some of them said, even without a license, you can carry visibly. People can see your handgun. And Texas said, oh my gosh, even if you have a license, which is one of the most stringent license programs in the country, even if you have that license, we're scared to death of seeing your gun. We can't see your gun. Um, that was a state in Texas just a few years ago. We fixed that, but still Texas is in the minority of states that just requires a license to carry your handgun at all. So in over 30 states, if you have a uh, um, if you legally can possess a handgun, so you're not a felon um, that's prohibited from possession, you're not one of the people prohibited from possession, right? You can legally possess it, you can have it in your car, you can have it in your home. Um, in those states, they say, all right, if you're one of those people, you can carry it at least openly without a license. Texas says, no, you can't carry your handgun without a license. That's also a jailable offense. And the problem is um, that these laws, even though they're touted to keep us safe, uh, they, they don't do anything to keep us safe. Like the criminals, when's the last time you heard of a criminal that said, oh, I'm going to go and just do some evil act today? Oh, darn it. I don't have my license yet. I need to wait for my license to come in so I can go murder people. That's right. not the way they think. But how many how many people do you know who say, you know, I, re I really just, I know I'm vulnerable. I have to be out late for my job, whatever. I, I'm at risk. I would really like to be able to carry a handgun to protect myself. But oh, darn it. I don't have my license yet, so I can't protect myself. Those are the people that our gun control laws hurt. And unfortunately, Texas has a long way to go to catch up with other states. Right, right. And where, where would you rank Texas uh, out of the 50 states on freedom as it relates to gun rights? So there are a lot of different uh, metrics. So when it comes to carry, uh, the ability to carry a, a handgun to protect ourselves, to carry our firearms, I would say we definitely rank in the lower half of freedom. We're, we're not even at the halfway mark. When it comes to firearm possession, 
we're definitely doing a little over um, halfway. We could still do better. There are things to improve. Um, but our, our possession laws and our use of force laws are good. But that doesn't help us when we're out and about away from our homes. What really would help us is the ability to freely carry our firearms to protect us. Right. And what do you say to people that feel like, oh, we're going to be okay. Um, whatever happens in this election, I mean, we're always going to have our gun rights in Texas. So we'll just let the next guy uh, defend the gun rights issue. Uh, that's not my thing. Uh, what do you say to those types of people? Sure. So I'd say look at Virginia. And we used to always say, don't, um, don't California my Texas. I think now the rallying cry could well be, don't Virginia my Texas. Um, and what happened is Virginia is a very, it, it has historically been a, a, a very pro-gun area in yeah. many ways, uh, obviously mixed. But when they turned completely blue in 2018, um, I, I think it was just, I think it wasn't because the majority of people were gun-grabbing liberals who wanted that kind of representation. I think it's because the gun owners just assumed uh, it's not going to really happen. There are enough gun owners who will vote, who will work for these candidates. I don't have to. And they were wrong. They didn't show up and they are now suffering the results. And so what happened right after that election, 2018, they started showing up to local government uh, meetings. They started establishing sanctuary, uh, Second Amendment sanctuary counties saying that, you know, this county isn't going to enforce gun control. They started ousting liberal uh, city councils and, and county commissioners. Um, and, and ousting those local government officials and replacing them with more conservatives. So they got really active. Unfortunately, you know, they waited until after that election, after the results went bad and after gun control people won the election to start standing out. And I, I think the lesson to be learned is don't wait until after that. I just wrote an op-ed for the Houston Current last weekend about how Kamala Harris is the gun owner's worst nightmare. And let me tell you, um, you know, you think Joe Biden's bad or Elizabeth Warren is bad. Nancy Pelosi is bad. Kamala Harris makes them look soft on gun control. She is that bad. And she she's already shown she's not afraid to use executive powers to enforce gun control that she wants. And she doesn't believe in the individual right to keep their arms. And so, so you know, nationally, federally, um, on a state level, or on a local government level, don't wait. Don't expect somebody else to do the job. If you care about liberty, you got to be doing all you can to stand up now. Because if you wait until after the elections, if you wait until after legislative session when we pass gun control, and then you say, oh, now we need to stop it. You know, guys, it is so much harder to turn it around once it's already passed, to turn it around once you already have gun control elected officials in office. So now is the time to act more than ever. Right now, gun owners have got to stand up and take action. Rachel, that's so true. And you work in the state legislature, and there have been a number of issues maybe pre-coronavirus that have affected how some of these Republic, Republican legislators are looking at the issues. And I know that there have been a lot of grassroots that have been very upset with um, how things have gone. And it's, it's almost as if some of these Republican politicians sort of put their finger to the wind and see which way the winds are blowing. And if it, if it seems like they don't have to piss off either side, you know, by kind of taking the middle of the road sort of approach to the matter, then they will. And, and these red flag laws, I think, are very problematic. And maybe they're saying um, 
they're calling it something different because that's sort of been demonized, uh, the, the whole red flag laws. They're calling it something else now, perhaps, um, but those red flag laws are still happening. They're, they're being proposed um, all throughout the state, and uh, I know that uh, Michael Bloomberg has dumped a lot of money uh, into the state. I think it's, you can correct me, is it $8 million that he's uh, dumped into the state? Or Something what is it now? Right there, um, and, right and he's doing this all around the country and they're doing everything that they can um, to, to win on this issue of gun rights. So um, could you first speak to what's going on, uh, what's been going on in the state legislature and then maybe talk about what Michael Bloomberg is doing? Yes, so right about a year ago um, were the attacks in Odessa and El Paso, North El Paso. Um, and almost immediately in the wake of those attacks, those, those horrible attacks by deranged madmen, uh, the governor and uh, speaker of the house and the uh, lieutenant governor, a leader of the Senate, all stepped in and said, we have to do something. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up commissions and special committees to study the issue. And uh, legislatively, so the House and the Senate set up special committees on mass violence prevention and community safety. And they held many hearings. And, and I just want to emphasize that kind of that kind of push uh, in the interim, that means when there's not a legislative session happening, it's unprecedented, really, on the issue on the issue of gun rights or gun control. And unfortunately, what they were pushing for mo more was a lot of gun control issues. But I know the way that these interim hearings work, and they really are a finger in the wind. So during the interim, which means not during session, they can't pass any bills. But they're trying to figure out how far they can go next session. Like, who's going to get, which side is going to get more mad at them for you know, taking a certain action? If they go towards gun control, how mad are the gun rights people going to be? And if they go towards gun rights, how mad are the gun control people going to be? And so they count how many people show up from each side. And this was right after the session when all of us were tired and we worked so hard during session. And then all of a sudden we're having hearings twice a month all over Texas. But I am so proud that Gun Owners of America Texas stood up and we had the vast majority of activists at those hearings all fall. And we traveled to Odessa twice, El Paso twice, um, Dallas once or twice, um, and several hearings in Austin as well. And we had at least a, a two to one ratio of gun rights to gun control activists, if not a three to one ratio at every single of the hearings um, from those who gave testimony. And so we were there ready to stand up and say, no, your finger in the wind is not gonna give you good results going toward gun control. You need to push it towards gun rights. And instead of saying, um, you know, we need to have some sort of compromise uh, in, in, in this gun control issue. No, absolutely not. We need more freedom to protect us. So on the one hand, I'm very, very, very proud of our activist response. On the other hand, I'm also very concerned that there are far too many squishy Republicans or people who should be conservatives who are starting to say, you know, let's be reasonable. And I put that in quotation marks because it's not reasonable at all. But they say, let's be reasonable. And, you know, let, guns are dangerous and we should, we should at least try to keep them locked up and keep them out of the hands of people. And what they fail to recognize is a gun is just a tool. And if we outlaw uh, the, the law-abiding citizens from having it, um, the ones who will have it are, are the outlaws. And so instead of, instead of disarming the law-abiding honest citizens, we need to make sure we are, we are recognizing a gun is a valuable tool that can help save lives, just like it did in Sutherland Springs when Stephen Wilford stood up, 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll mention I'm very proud of Stephen Williford's stance along with us at the Capitol gates. This is right after Odessa and El Paso attacks. Uh, Governor Abbott actually held a, a had a commission, and he initially not included anybody from the gun rights community on it, while he had included gun control. And Stephen Williford joined me, and he brought the rifle that he used to stop the attacker at Sutherland Springs. This is that church massacre of 27 people, I believe, who died. He stood there with that rifle and proclaimed that that rifle was an instrument of peace. It's an instrument that stopped the evil attacker and it saved lives. And that's what I want to see our, our lawmakers understand and acknowledge. A gun is not uh, a, a tool to be, um, to be villainized or demonized. It's a tool that can help us save lives. So true and so true. And uh, you said so many good things there. Um, I, I don't want to miss the part about what's happening with, with Michael Bloomberg. Um, right. There's a new organization. You, you talked about reasonable. And there's a new organization that's popped up. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that organization uh, that's popped up in Texas and they're really working to infringe upon our gun rights? Um, which one would you be talking about? I think it's I think it's something called common sense, and I need to go back and look at my notes. But um, it's 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 a lot of the I same. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, Texans for Gun Sense. They yes. are they are either officially affiliated or definitely very connected with Moms Demand Action, which is absolutely a Bloomberg funded uh, organization. And I think there were a lot of people, including I think some squishy lawmakers, who said, "Oh, good, this is going to be a middle of the road organization. Let's try to listen to them." And they tried so hard, and they still try, to right. to uh, to paint themselves as you know we're we're in we're for the gun owners who want to be safe, and they even tout having an LTC instructor on their board. But you know mm. I'm I'm sorry, he may be an LTC instructor, but he is a gun control proponent, and all right. of their policies that they push for is it's exactly the same uh, same policies and the same candidates as mom as moms demand action exactly the same as um, as Bloomberg wants. They just try to couch it as uh, in a way that they think is going to be more favorable to gun owners. It's exactly the same gun control. Exactly. Trying to make it more palatable. Say, we, you know, we, we support your right to keep their arms. We're a pro-second organization. We just want to keep you safe. But they fail to acknowledge that carrying a gun can keep me safe. And so they actually want to disarm me and make me more vulnerable uh, to an attacker. Yeah, and, and Bloomberg and, and so many others are dumping so much money into Texas, and that's why it's so important that we do everything that we can to keep Texas red. Right now, uh, many people don't realize how important the state legislature is. We have a nine-seat Republican majority in the state legislature, and the, the census is happening this year, and redistricting happens in the state legislature next year. They redraw the lines, and if we don't have a Republican majority, then Democrats are the ones redrawing the lines. And they're going to be doing a lot of things to get more Democrats elected to office, and they're going to be affecting our gun legislation for years to come. And so that's why it's so important, so very important to keep Texas red. Um, tell us how people can get involved in the state legislature, because many people feel like, well, I'm not a good speaker. Um, I teach public speaking out of college, and so it's a big fear of people um, to 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 go in front of these important elected officials and and talk about the issues and maybe they want a script um, but share with us what the right approach is and um, how they can go about it the right way to stand up for gun rights 
Right. So what people don't realize most of the time is, is this. If you're not a great public speaker and you don't feel like you're the spokesman type of person, you are the best candidate to go and testify. You are the best candidate to go and talk to your elected officials. And, and here's why. Because if you, if you come off as this polished script reading person, how can they tell you're really speaking from the heart? But so many times I've had people get up there and, you know, they're, they're prepared. I'm not saying don't prepare. I mean, yeah, write out, write out what you're going to say, think about it, and I'll help you anytime to work through it. But when you speak from the heart, even if you're nervous, even if you're you're so afraid, you feel like you're gonna you're gonna go puke afterwards. I've had people literally tell me they just couldn't eat all day because they were so nervous. But you know right. what? They give the bogus testimony because it was obvious they were speaking from their heart. Nobody was paying them off to be there. They weren't there because they just love getting up and you know being the drama queen and, and being in the public eye. They'd rather be at home, and it's obvious. But they care about it this much that they're willing to face their fears and get up in front of our legislators. And let me tell you, that speaks volumes. I see the response. So all you have to do is get up and share your story. You do not have to be the expert, the, the complete expert on all the data, all the statistics on the issue. When you testify, you're testifying to your own opinion. You have to make sure you are honestly presenting your own opinion and give some reasons why you feel that way. That's what matters and that's what makes all the difference. Um, and in, in fact, uh, as, as of this time, we, we do have two virtual hearings or, or virtual requests for input coming up. Um, so by this Friday, that, that Committee for Mass Violence Prevention and Community Safety, they've asked for public input on one of the issues and then um, the following Friday on, on another issue. And so if you're interested in being a part of that and interested in, in submitting your own written statement, which is so easy to do from your own home, you don't have to show up anywhere. Please, um, please be a part of submitting your own statement to this committee. It's happening um, it's happening right now. This is legislative activity happening right now to figure out the finger in the wind. Where is public opinion? So if you want to help stand up for gun rights, I need you to write a statement and submit it to the committee. Uh, the best way, I believe, to find out the information is going to be join our GOA Texas Facebook group. But we are conducting some Zoom calls. I'm sending out emails. Um, you know, really, however you're connected with us, you will see that information. Just please make sure you're connecting with us reading those emails, showing up, uh, and and writing your statement and submitting it to stand up for gun rights. And Rachel, could you send me that link later so that I can share this with others? Awesome, awesome, will. awesome. And um, I encourage everyone to become a member of GOA, Gun Owners of America, because that's really how organizations like this thrive and continue to do great work. And GOA is one of the good guys. They're actually out in the front and they're on top of every single issue. And so uh, I encourage you, there's a lot of gun right groups out there, but this is one of the ones that are actually doing the hard work and they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're out on the front line. So get involved in GOA. Um, what would you tell people about how they can make a difference in the lives of other people that may be a little hesitant toward guns? I know that my mother, uh, her opinions, gradually changed over the years but for a long time she came from Norway and my parents were missionaries there and uh, and you know her opinion of guns were they're they're not good um, but now you know she she used to not allow guns in the house but now she does and so she's uh, she's you know moved a little bit uh, more in the right direction and she's she's not a liberal by any means she just comes from a different mindset so what would you tell women that maybe 
It doesn't have to be women. It could be anyone. But what would you tell people that are a little hesitant about guns? And how would you tell people like you and me how we can make a difference in those lives um, by talking about it in, in a way that they can understand? Sure. So I, I think because of my background, I, I feel like I have a greater understanding of that kind of situation. Maybe you're not militantly anti-gun liberal. You just you're afraid of guns because you've never shot one, or maybe you have, and it was it something about it scared you, and you're not comfortable with guns. Yeah. And so if, if that's you, or if you're talking to someone like that, um, I would encourage you. You know, when you're talking to those people, ask them why, and and really truly listen. So instead of trying to beat them over the head with your knowledge and your information of why you're right and they're wrong, seriously ask them. You know, what what is it about about a gun that makes you not want to have it in your house? Um, what is it that makes you not want to carry one or you know, not not care if there's a gun grabbing law, uh, a gun control law getting ready to pass? And really try to listen. And then when, once you're listening to them and trying to figure out their reasoning, try to try to find some points of agreement with them. And sometimes right. it, it's as simple as, you know, we both care about our kids and we both want our kids to stay safe and we want to protect them to the best of our abilities. Um, most likely you will, you will be able to find that point of agreement. And from there, you know, depending on who it is, it's, it's a matter of trying to keep on having the conversations. I'm so glad that somebody took the time to have that conversation with me instead of just telling me that I was dumb and uninformed and, you know, quoting false, false facts, which they could have done and that would have been right. But they didn't. They had the conversation. They had the patience. Uh, they were, they, uh, I remember a couple of times friends, you know, pulling out a revolver and unloading it and showing me how you can make sure that that revolver is completely clear. You can, you know, what, uh, how, how you know if it's going to be ready to fire or not. And walking me through the mechanics of it. So sometimes, sometimes you can offer to take them to the range, but sometimes they're not going to be ready for that. And that's okay. So don't, don't force them to go to the range. Don't force them to shoot the guns if they're not ready for that. But maybe show them pictures or diagrams or um, you know, cutouts of the gun firing just so they understand how it functions. Um, yeah. Help them help show them statistics or show them stories of people right. who defended themselves with a firearm. And just be willing to walk with them and be understanding. Never push them farther. Um, I, I, I say I'm pro-choice and that I believe it's your choice whether you carry a gun and what kind of gun you carry and how you carry it. Uh, right. So I'm going to force somebody to carry a gun. But I'm always ready to have that conversation and help them to start understanding the truth about about firearms and why they're safer uh, when they carry one. Well, Rachel, that's so good. Um, you are a gun rights evangelist. I mean, you were just sharing the good news all across the state. You were fighting on the front lines there in the legislature. And I want to bring this back to the election because um, Beto O'Rourke, who could be the gun czar for Biden if he's elected president, uh, said he wanted to t go and take away our AR-15s. I think he called them AR-14s, though. I don't know if he, if he had the right uh, vernacular there or not. I can't recall. But there's a lot at stake in this election. They don't just, they want to take away semi-automatic weapons. They don't want you to have anything. And, and I think that their mindset is the Second Amendment back when it was created was really referring to, you know, muskets. It's not referring to the guns, the powerful guns of today. And what do you say to that? And uh, how do you correct that? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, you could, you, there are a lot of ways to respond. One way is doing an analogy of um, the, the, the right to free speech didn't just protect uh, posting on the, you know, the town poll. Um, it, it, it protects technology as it advances. 
And right. so the, the individual right to keep and bear arms, it doesn't say simply muskets. That's what they had back then. Um, our technology has advanced. Uh, ultimately, the purpose of the Second Amendment is to defend our, is to be able to defend ourselves from a tyrannical government. Um, in addition to the hypothetical bad guy on the streets or in home, home intruder. And so we need to make sure that we are able to have sufficient firepower so we can do exactly that if it ever came to it. And while we work to protect that right, because we want to protect against a tyrannical government, uh, we are grateful that we have the other rights, our First Amendment rights, uh, to uh, whether it's free speech, uh, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble peaceably and petition the government for redress of grievances. And so we're honored to be able to have those rights that we can use now to stand up and defend our Second Amendment rights. Um, and that's, that's really what we work for. So good. Well, Rachel, it was truly a pleasure to have you on today. Um, thank you so much for all that you do across the state. Um, and uh, let us know how we can support you and your mission, um, how we can join you. And um, you said earlier we can join your Facebook page, um, we can follow yeah. you on Facebook, uh, we can get involved in, um, in, in, in the virtual hearings. There's so many different ways that we can support uh, the, the, the cause. And, and of course, I mentioned join GOA. Um, join Gun Owners yeah. of America by becoming a member because that's really what finances uh, Rachel and other leaders across the country to do the great work that they do. Right. And the membership starts at just $25 a year. So that's, I mean, frankly, that's a few cups of coffee, a few cups of fancy coffee. And that helps us fight for your gun rights. And it helps you to stay informed and involved. And so to join, uh, go to gunowners.org slash Texas. Would absolutely love to have you as part of our community of activists and of those fighting for our rights, fighting to protect our right to keep them their arms. So that's gunowners.org slash Texas. Well, Rachel, again, thank you. Uh, may God bless you. God bless Texas. And, and we need more people that are out on the front lines uh, doing what you're doing. Thank you again and take care. Thank you so much. You too.